at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hairdo like no one else hair does. Yup, I just said that. I didn't read ahead. That's because not only is it the home of champion haircuts, they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game, and it should be. With MVP haircut experience, your haircut gets turned up a notch. That's because the MVP is more than just a haircut. It's a spa day for your hair follicles. It's a seven pressure point massaging shampoo, along with a perfectly steamed hot towel. Oh, well, a steady stream of sports plays on television. Man, my testosterone is coming out my ears. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. Man, what a claim. It's a game changer. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, and welcome to a unique and uh, I think a bit unusual episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. As you're probably aware, I'm not uh, a political comedian. That's not my milieu. I usually keep my opinions to myself. But uh, yesterday was a terrible day at the Capitol, the storming by an insurrectionist mob of the Capitol building. Uh, and it was such an upsetting day for me and my family and just everyone I know. And I think for any sentient American, uh, it was a very upsetting day. So um, we realized at that point, and this is unusual, that a while ago, I had seen Ron Reagan Jr., former President Reagan's son, giving an interview on a documentary. And I was watching him and I'm a history buff. And I thought, I'd really like to talk to him. He seems like he's uh, very smart. And uh, of course, also, he's very funny and witty. And so we arranged to set up an interview with him that was going to be just a regular interview. And then uh, the interview was scheduled for today. And uh, today is the day after the insurrectionist uh, attack on the Capitol building. So it just so happens that uh, I was talking to Ron Reagan Jr. at this perfect time. So we decided to make it kind of a special episode. We're just going to talk about what happened uh, at the Capitol. We're going to also just talk about what's happened to the Republican Party in general. Um, and, and I think Ron Reagan Jr. has a good perspective on that and a unique perspective on that. And uh, we are going to let this go out unedited. It's not going out at the usual time. And all I'll say is, uh, if you're not interested in hearing any discussion of politics right now, if this isn't what you want from Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, you don't have to listen. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back with a regular show on Monday. Uh, but this is something I wanted to talk about. So it's in your hands now. And I really, really do uh, am looking forward to this conversation. So let's get started. Ron Reagan, Jr. 
Today's conversation is is a little different. I often talk to comedians about comedy. I, I occasionally stray. Uh, and this is a complete uh, accident, but I, I think a very fortunate one. Uh, I happen to be watching uh, a documentary uh, on the Reagans and, and the Reagan era in office. And I was watching the documentary, and I'm an amateur history buff. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Ron Reagan Jr. Uh, appears often throughout the documentary, and I'm watching him, and I'm saying, there's a guy that's had a lot of therapy uh, who appears uh, who appears uh, very, uh, he just has a, you're extremely likable, uh, and, and you're also uh, someone who seems very nuanced and uh, a, a just a, a good human being, and I thought, I'd like to speak to Ron Reagan Jr. I went to my bookers and I said, do you think he'd want to talk to me? This is all before the events that uh, just transpired uh, at the Capitol, the charging. Something happened? Yeah. (laughs) Now, Ron, I know you don't get out a lot. I was out of the country. I was in the basement. Yeah. Let me start with about uh, four years ago, Donald Trump was elected president, the real (laughs) estate tycoon. How did that happen? Well, listen, we have to catch you up on a lot. And Gilligan's Island still canceled. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, there's the headline. (laughs) I love the idea that I have to fill you in on everything. (laughs) But uh, yesterday was indeed a, uh, you know, a, a, a dark day uh, for our nation, a mob, insurrectionist mob charging the Capitol, invading the Capitol. Uh, four people are dead, uh, many people injured. I think many uh, people at the Capitol Hill police are, are injured. And it's just a, a tragedy, uh, that easily avoidable tragedy. And I realized that you were on the schedule to talk. And I thought... Maybe this should be a different conversation. Maybe this is the perfect time to talk to uh, to you, Ron. And and first of all, I looked at everything that was transpired yesterday, and I realized, oh my God, what happened to the Republican Party in this country? And I know that this is a common source of discussion, but who better to be talking to right now? Uh, I think. Uh, than you. I think that you are uh, the, I was thinking about this yesterday, who's a Republican figure from the recent past who could have materialized yesterday and gotten that crowd's attention? I don't think a recent Republican president could have done that. I think Ronald Reagan, uh, your father, still has that place in the hearts and minds of many Americans and if, I think if he had materialized and said, please shut up and go home, they'd have done that. Am I, do you feel the same way? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think we're way past that now. I, I wish it were true. I wish right. somebody maybe else. I'm, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I think your dad obviously is, I guess the point I'm making, he's held in, he's, he's still held in very high regard uh, by rank and file Republicans everywhere. Um, and you're, so maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. Uh, well, you know, I, I think you're, you're certainly right that he had more moral authority and, and if, or if you like, characterological authority mm-hmm. to do something like that. But I, I think we're way past that now. I, I think yeah. that's, uh, th- there's no chance for the, these are people who, 
you know, who wanted to do what they did and they yep. were given permission to do what they did by the president of the United States, right. who clearly knew what he was doing, knew what we, he was inciting. And then when it happened, sat back and enjoyed it for hours. Yeah, apparently uh, was watching in the Oval Office and by several accounts, happy that people were worrying his merchandise, which, yeah, sounds like a, well, which sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm not. He really is on a, on a, on a purely pathological level. He's happy to see people. So there were more uh, Trump flags than there were American flags. And I think he's proud of that. Yeah, I, I think we make a lot of mistakes with Donald Trump. One of them is is acting as if his presidency has something to do with, you know, policy and statesmanship or, or, or anything else, as opposed to simply being a grift, which it always has been. It started as a grift and it continued as a grift. And this is part of the grift moving forward, or so he hopes. You know, he's got 70 whatever million people who voted for them. If he can get half of those people to send him six bucks a month, you know, for his newsletter or Twitter rant or whatever the hell he's offering up, whatever his next scam will be, he's going to be a very rich man, or so he hopes. This has yeah. all been about monetizing this. And, and, and the other thing I, I think we really have to start coming to grips with, though, is not just looking at Donald Trump, who's floridly mentally ill. I mean, I, I was listening to John Harwood this morning on television, who is a longtime CBS, I think it is, or anyway, White House correspondent, who is using the words mentally ill to describe Donald Trump, the president of yeah. the United States. But this has been obvious from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that being a failed casino mogul and grifter and talk show ho or game show host? Well, let's not say, let's not bring would, talk show. Yeah, talk let's show not. Host, no, no, no. Game <laughs> show host, though, would, Ron, be, Ron. would not be qualifications for the presidency. Right. Who right. knew that somebody with that background wouldn't work out as president of the United States. Well, all of us should have known that, and some of us did. And it was very frustrating to be on shows, news shows, and talk about how unacceptable it would be for Donald Trump to enter the Oval Office and have experienced fine reporters dismiss that and want to talk about horse race stuff. Yeah. You know, is his message resonating with this or that demographic? Who right, the right. fuck cares? You know, <laughs> okay, really, you know, who the hell cares whether his hey, Ron, message is resonating with anybody? Ron, I don't, He's I don't insane. know. Ron, I don't know how you were raised, uh, but we don't, <laughs> we don't use language like that on the podcast. Do we? I okay? won't. If, if you say no, I won't do it anymore. But well, apparently your mom and apparently your mom and dad were just walking around the house saying, where's the fucking milk? <laughs> That's where's right. the fucking Wearing cheese? no clothes. Yes. <laughs> Fuck naked. Where's the fucking milk? God damn it. Where's that fucking joint? Who bogarted that joint? That's right. um, you, you really have to do the voice, though, to get the full impact of that. You'd have to do the, you know, Nancy, where's my fucking bong? <laughs> I do have to say, Ron, talking to you, it is distracting. You do very much have your dad's voice. And Kate, and, and I'll, add, I'll say as well, I noticed this, uh, I've noticed this many times before, but you have uh, his charm as well. And I'm just, it's very distracting. It's really funny when you swear. Because <laughs> <laughs> you I imagine him. Because I shape shift your dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, let me ask you, uh, I, I have to uh, ask you, what would your father think 
of Donald Trump? What would he think of what transpired yesterday? What would Ronald Reagan uh, make of all of this? Well, as of yesterday, yesterday he'd be ashamed of. I mean, he'd just be appalled and ashamed. But he's not, you know, my father wasn't a stupid guy. My father read people pretty well. And yeah. he would have seen through Donald Trump in about 30 seconds, as should we all have seen through Donald Trump. Listen, what, how did this man end up where he, he ended up? He started out with a racist lie about Barack Obama. Well, that should yeah. have disqualified him right there. Right. You know, this bullshit lie about Barack Obama that he kept up for years, pretending that he was conducting some big investigation, that should have disqualified him right there, but not in today's Republican Party. Would have 20 years ago, but not right. in today's Republican Party. Today's Republican Party, it's all about winning. And if Donald well, Trump gets us the, the win, we'll go with him. You know, I would pussy grabbing it. and all. Okay. Well, again, I don't know how you were raised and I don't know what kind of language was used. I was just quoting uh, the president of the United States there. Well, I just, uh, please, again, with the language. Uh, But I I, I do agree that, you know, I think there's an attempt by, uh, I am a hack amateur historian, and I've noticed that there's an attempt to find, uh, okay, what's the precedent for this in American history? And people will look at the Republican Party and they'll look for dog whistles and they'll look for things and they'll, they'll find, you know, trace evidence here and there. And I think, you know what, this, there isn't, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see, uh, I, I know that there have been people that have tried to see, well, this is a longstanding, something that's come to fruition, but Donald Trump is, to me, uh, he begins and ends with Donald Trump because I, I grew up, I came of age in the, in the 80s. I was in college when your father became, I was in high school when your father became president and, and he was president all through my college years. And I go to this liberal arts, fancy schmancy college in the East Coast. And of course, everybody was, oh, he's in, you know, he's the madman, he's insane, he's going to blow up the world. Uh, and uh, I wasn't overtly political in college. I was more interested in, in learning how to be a comedian. But uh, I, that was just the general How did that work it. out, by the way? Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. I'm on a podcast now. Uh, <laughs> but you're on a podcast with me, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> so, but my point, my point is that I, that was the thinking. And then as time has gone by, I've read quite a bit about your father. I've read about his administration. And I, I know that uh, there are uh, many actions he took that people disagree with uh, violently to this day or virulently to this day. There are many things he did that I thought uh, were actually uh, quite sensible. Uh, but there were so many things about him that I didn't understand when I was younger uh, that differentiate him so strongly from this guy we have now, uh, and I know that that's the understatement of the year, but your father wrote in longhand on legal pads uh, his own speeches often. I've been to the Reagan Library. I've checked them out. Uh, he passionately believed in what he believed in, and it was not an extension of himself or his ego. It was something that he passionately, now you can agree with him or disagree with him, but it was something, uh, you know, an idea that came to him in the 1950s that he really passionately believed in. And this is, uh, and, and he, could, he could 
admit he was wrong at times, and he did. Uh, he liked having powerful people around him with strong opinions. Uh, he liked working with other powerful leaders and listening to them. Mm-hmm. And so when people try and draw any kind of line, and I, I noticed some of that in the documentary in which you were speaking, and I thought, you know, I just don't see it. I don't, I, I don't see it. And, that, and I say that to anyone who, like me, disagrees with, uh, strongly with some of the things that your father believed in. Uh, but I think, as a, I think he cared a lot about this country, I think, uh, as many of our presidents have. And I think what we've got now as evidenced yesterday, as someone who just wanted to see Trump merchandise, and he didn't care if it was on people who were smashing the Capitol. No, absolutely. My father loved the country, and he thought he was serving the country, and he thought he was the president of all the people and wanted to help all the people. Of course, he made mistakes. Of course, he was wrong about stuff, as are we all. Trump himself, you're right, is sui generis, and there I go with the naughty language again, but he's, he, he is unique in a sense. But if you want to search for the origins of today's Republican Party, go back to the Civil War. Yep, exactly. Um, we're still fighting the Civil War. And there's a yeah. reason why most of the red states are still down there in the in the Confederacy. And there's a reason why the people storming the Capitol, many of them were carrying Confederate flags. Yes. You know? Yeah, see, and seeing they, a con- yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, and they might as well have been carrying Nazi flags. Yeah. You know, these, these loser traitor flags, slaveholder flags. You know, there, there's no honor in that. It's not about heritage. You want to talk about your heritage? It's slavery, folks. Yeah. Get used yeah. to it. Now, Germany has dealt with its past. Time, you know, time Alabama and Mississippi do the same. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was in Germany about, I want to say, two and a half years ago. I'm thinking of it now just because you brought it up. And I was walking through Berlin and I was stunned in a good way, but stunned by the degree that the German people have gone to, to acknowledge what happened in their history in the 20th century. Uh, And there are plaques everywhere on the sidewalk when you're walking around that say on this spot, this family was taken from their Mm -hmm. home and murdered in 1942. Uh, It's very powerful. They have, it's incredibly uh, impressive what they've done to say, this is part of what, who we are and what happened and we will continue to acknowledge mm-hmm. it. And we will, we will uh, uh, t- take a hydraulic uh, drill and we will put it into the sidewalk wherever right. we think this happened. And I think you're right. I think uh, we are, people say this is a, maybe a, a civil war that's, this is like the civil war. And I keep thinking, the one difference is that you could literally draw a line across the country, the Mason-Dixon line, mm-hmm. and say everyone on this side uh, is uh, a unionist and everyone on this side is right. a Confederate. Right now, I think if there was a civil war, it would be New York versus people 25 miles outside New That's York. Right. That's Boston exactly right. versus people five miles outside yeah. Boston. Uh, you know, it, it, it really is... Uh, uh, a very, very strange situation where I'm sure you've experienced this. You can drive 10 minutes out of your neighborhood in Los Angeles and see MAGA hats Mm -hmm. and not see one in your own neighborhood, which means I don't know what it means, frankly. I I live in Seattle, so it's even more extreme here. Really, as soon as you cross over the the mountains or even before you, you get into the foothills, suddenly you're in Trump country again. 
the city itself is as blue as blue can be. But uh, yeah, it's it's city versus rural. You know, one of the big questions that, that we've all had, or at least I've had for, for years is, you know, who are these people who are so gullible that they can be convinced by somebody like Donald Trump? John Cleese, a comedian you may know, John Cleese uh, yeah. said to me a, a couple of years ago, I think it was, he said, you know, it's, it's, it's like being with people watching professional wrestling and you suddenly realize they think it's real. You know, and it's like, how do you have a conversation with somebody like that who right. thinks this grift is actually something real? So who are these people? And we tend to look at it, I think, in economic terms. Well, they're the downtrodden and they're the out of work and they're the, the well, you know, there may be some of that going on. Uh, you know, they're racists. Well, mm -hmm. many of them are, you know. And, or, or we think of it in political terms, they're anti-abortion, they're anti-choice. Well, yeah, most of them probably are. But I don't think that's it. I think it's something much deeper in human nature. Some people are authoritarian by nature. Right, right. And other people, you and I perhaps, are not. And we're right. always going to be on the opposite side of that spectrum. Right. And it's very difficult for people like us whose natural inclination is to seek comedy with other people, mm -hmm. uh, to, to get together and discuss who consider themselves rational and reasonable and uh, open to new facts and information. And then you talk to people who want none of that. They already know everything they need to know about everything that's important to them. And right. you're the enemy and everything you say is a lie and there's no real information. It's all fake news. I don't know how to talk to people like that. You know, they, they, you know mm, this, is, this brings up my, my next point, which is uh, it's very interesting. I, was, I couldn't sleep last night. I was so upset. And I have a 17-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son and watched all of this unfold with them. They were doing online schooling here at the house. And I, uh, I pulled them away from their computers and said, no, this is more important. And uh, I can't believe your teachers are continuing with class. This is uh, historic and you have to see this. And so we watched it. It was deeply depressing and upsetting. And then I got angry. And my anger personally is not at Trump because I think he's mentally ill. And I, if, if someone, if I'm driving down the street and someone runs out in front of my car and starts throwing feces on it and screaming crazy things, and I realize they're mentally ill, I'm not angry with them. Mm -hmm. I really am not because yeah. they're mentally ill. Right. The people I'm furious with are the Cruises mm -hmm. and the Hollies, McConnell for so long, Kevin McCarthy, Pence, mm -hmm. Rubio, Cotton, Tucker Carlson, Hannity, Murdoch's, everybody right. who said there's money in this. Mm -hmm. The guys that are egging on the person throwing shit on your windshield. Yeah. In other words. Yeah. 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 And that's, exactly and I think right. those are, those are the people that, uh, you know, to, to watch the Cruz and Holly leave that lockdown and come back up and mm -hmm. double down on this idiocy. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's the angriest I've been since uh, Shit's Creek went off the air. 
Uh, <laughs> I was well, furious then. Yeah, really. I just thought there was yeah. more. In, I thought there was more in there. At I least thought, one more season. There's two Thank more you. seasons At in least. there, and Come this on, is people. bullshit. <laughs> now I'm now I'm really angry. <laughs> now I even forget what happened at the Capitol. Well, you're right though to single out those people, and every one of their names ought to be on a list, and it ought to be in the front page of the newspapers all over the country. These people are traitors. Yeah. These people are traitors. Uh, and they, they, they have no right to serve in our government. They are anti-democratic. You know, they're talking about the Republican Party splitting. You know, the few principled Republicans, and you know, those are the, the, the quavering Mitt Romneys who, you know, buck up their courage to murmur a few, you know, <laughs> disagreements with Trump right. or right. whatever. You know, I, I don't give them a lot of credit either. I think the bunch of them just need to go. But they say two Republican parties, or they'll they'll split the principled ones and then the, the the crazy ones. Well, let's just be honest here. We have the Democratic Party. Let's just call them what they are. They're the anti-democratic party. Yeah. They're not well, for I, democracy anymore. You know, They've so made that obvious. So I'm curious because you uh you you grew up in this world of Republican royalty. I mean, uh and and probably met everybody in the Republican sphere. And I have, you know, I, as I am not a political comedian, but I have enjoyed interviewing Barack Obama and and Michelle Obama. I've also enjoyed uh, uh, interviewing um, uh, McCain. You know, I Mm -hmm. loved talking to John McCain and, and Bob Dole. And so I loved getting to meet uh, George Bush Sr. when I gave a speech uh, uh, at, at Dartmouth and he was there and we, he was very kind to me and we spoke for a long time, George Bush Sr. And I just, I, so I didn't have like a knee jerk reaction. I would have been really, yeah, you know, thrilled to meet your dad. Uh, and Oh, you'd have uh, liked him just fine. Well, I mean, I mean, he. I'm serious. He was. Uh, you. He's uh, su- such a naturally funny, uh, funny person, and uh, and also, I mean, you can speak to this, and and you are. I give you a lot of credit for this. You are. You, I, I said earlier, you seem like someone who've had a lot, who's had a lot of therapy. You have a good perspective on your parents. You clearly love them. And you also see the pluses, the minuses, which is what we all do as we get older and we do any kind of work on ourselves at all. And uh, I, I look at your, your, your dad and I think what I always sensed from him was that he would be kind to anybody. Now, people can say, well, hold on, Conan. What about certain policies that I'm talking about I really do feel that he himself in a personal space uh, would have been kind to anybody. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, yes, you you are correct there. And you're absolutely right about policy wise when it was, you know, sort of abstract groups of people that, the, you know, that could kind of fade into into something else. But one on one, personally, I, I have never in my life did I see him ever be unkind to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was really, you know, just an incredibly decent human being. And uh, you know, it's, what's interesting is again, uh, contrasting, I, I, everything I've heard and some things I've witnessed personally, Trump is very, uh, he's uh, not because, that. <laughs> well, just because you're, just because you've introduced this potty mouth that you clearly learned from your parents, uh, he, he treats people like shit. Uh, he treats people around him like shit sure and he does. He treats anyone who works for him. And then. 
who is he going to be? Who's he going to suck up to? An oligarch who murders people. Right. Well, who else? But who may build a Trump Tower in Moscow, you know? You know, I would or say, say that, or Riyadh, or who <laughs> <laughs> if he opens a place in Moscow. I bet it's going to be a good location, just based yes. on his. <laughs> so I'm not saying I won't stay there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll stay there. It's probably going to be a fine hotel. So we've all been in the situation, right, where you're in a room, whether it's a boardroom or a writer's room or whatever it is. There's a group of people, and you've got to get stuff done, and one of you is pathological. Mm-hmm. And people realize that, you know, you get that vibe. This person's a little crazy. But by the end of the the day, everybody is sort of bending to accommodate Mm -hmm. the pathology. You know, everybody's sort of because you don't want it to get even more crazy. So don't, you know, let's mollify the, the, the nut job here. Yeah. Mistake. But that's what's been happening to us nationally for the last yeah. four years. We've been mm-hmm. stuck in one man's pathology. And many of us, not all of us, but many of us have tried to somehow make it okay. You know, if we can just put enough people, grown-ups around him, you know, it'll be okay. Well, it's not going to be okay because he's the boss. He's the yeah. president of the United States. He's running the show and he can fire all those people. And guess what? He does. There was a he school does. of thought, as you recall, there was a school of thought in 2016 that, you know, we all woke up, Trump is president. What? I don't understand. But then there was a quick readjustment, which I'll admit I did to a degree, which was I thought he'll get good people around him, which is what they always say. They'll get good people around him and maybe Will kind it'll be kind of be okay? Maybe the he'll you know, and and I don't think I'm the only one. I think a lot of people, in, including I think uh, Obama, was somewhat hopeful that he'll grow in the office. Nothing like that happened. It all it immediately went to shit and got progressively worse. And uh, you're right. It's and 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 then it's just been watching people. Uh, actually, they've had uh, they've had cervical discs removed so they can bend over backwards. You know, people can contort and twist and uh, pretend that what's happening isn't happening. It's a little frightening, isn't it, to to see so many members of Congress, people who have been elected to high federal office here, people who who have responsibility, who who write our laws, decide how much we pay in taxes and, and things like that. So many of them turn out to be such sniveling, spineless, supine little sucks. Look at that was a beautiful. Hey, can, can I say that was a beautiful sentence? Sibling, <laughs> supine, supine, servile, uh, well, little sucks. S- servile is good too. I don't did I throw servile in or did you, you say that? Servile you know is yours. Guess what? I think we should write, <laughs> hey, Ron, I think we should write songs together. I really do. I think you and I sitting at a piano, supine, servile, <laughs> sniveling, little sucks. He's a servile little. Servile. <laughs> <laughs> Put supine in there and you got to hit. Kid. Yeah, you got a hit, kid. Oh, God. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these people, they're elected to hire. People voted for all of these people. And really, what little wimps. I mean, Lindsey Graham. My yeah. God. You know, I, I mean, I, I'll be really obscene here. Really, what I want to ask Lindsey Graham is, does Donald Trump's ass take, taste like Vladimir Putin's dick? Because <laughs> I, I figure you ought to be the one to... to, to Hold on. Uh, I'm doing the math. I'm trying to do the math on what happened there. 
So Lindsey Graham's a uh, dick. Wait, how? Who's? I don't think who, his dick was involved at all. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you know. When I got you on the show. <laughs> you didn't expect dicks. <laughs> I was expecting a high-minded uh, conversation about the horrors of what happened at the Capitol yesterday. And you've done nothing but true to the Reagan name and your blue humor. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, once again, a disappointment. I bet you were a disappointment to your father, too. <laughs> I get the sense you were not a disappointment to your father. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think I was. <laughs> what's that? I don't think I was. No, I don't no, think you were. No, no. concerned no. about the atheism, but, you know. Yeah, that. let me ask you quickly about that, because I'm endlessly fascinated, again, with, uh, with just getting any kind of peek uh, into the, the, the history of, uh, of presidents. Uh, you... You announced to your parents at a fairly young age that you did not believe in God. Is that right? Yeah, I think I was, I was about 12. That's my memory anyway. I was Who says that at 12? <laughs> you know, me when I don't want to go to church on a Sunday morning and miss the football <laughs> game. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I think I'd probably been 10 when I, when yeah. I realized. About the time that you, you know for sure there's no Santa Claus. You begin right. to think, yeah, there's another white bearded big guy in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Who's, uh, we got stories about him, knows who's naughty and who's nice. Yep. You, know, you get coal in your stocking for eternity if, yeah. you, if you cross him, but he's an awful lot like that other guy and that guy was fake. So you know what? <laughs> right. I'm not going so, for this story. So I'm just picturing uh, your dad and your mom. Uh, we all know them. We can visualize it. They're sitting in the living room. Uh, you come in uh, in your shorts. Uh, with your baseball cap on sideways. Yeah, yeah. And you say, uh, hey, mom, hey, dad, just occurred to me, there's no God in heaven. There's just an endless black void. Right. We're here, but for a moment, and mm -hmm. then we disappear into nothingness. We're all atoms, yeah. <laughs> what happens? Actually, he came into my room to say, hey, get dressed, we're going to church. And I said, I'm not going. And he looked at me and said, We'll get dressed and headed out the door. And I said, no, 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 really, I'm not going. <laughs> and he stared at me for a moment and and just decided, okay, well, we've, we've got to go. And, and yep. they went to church. And then, of course, I knew when he came back that we were going to have a discussion, and, and we did. And I said, look, I, I, you know, I don't believe what you believe, and I'd be a hypocrite. And, and would dishonor your church, in a sense, by going to church and faking it. Right. You know? And if there is a right. God, he's going to know I'm faking it. So none of this makes any sense to me, and I'm not going anymore. Wow. And he tried to, you know, he tried to convince me a, a little bit. But he, he was wise enough to not try and strong arm me into right. doing He knew that this, this had to be a free choice. Right. And, it, you know, he hated my choice, but he would honor it. Did he, uh, I'm just picturing you, uh, it's the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, you're yeah, putting on- 1970, you, yeah. 1970s. You're putting on your music in the house? 
Yeah. <laughs> tell me about tell me about that. I mean, uh, what's it like when when, when Ronald when Reagan I, when I said, "Hey, Dad, you want to hear Jimi Hendrix's version of the national anthem?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Through that. Yeah. And so, uh, was there ever a time where you just, uh, you realized, oh my God, they can't hear the rest of this out. I know where this song is going and it needs to stop. Well, well, it's going to country Joe and the fish saying, Uh give me an F. And that's what I would sprint to the. Oh, this is the wood. (laughs) This is the woods. This This is the Woodstock Woodstock. album. So you're listening to Woodstock and country Joe is spelling out fuck. Yeah. And, bef- and he says, give me an F, give me a U, give me a C. And, and you start running towards the record player? <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. I didn't, really have, I didn't have a record. Now, you, you have to understand, I didn't have a record player of my own for a long time. Right. So, like, at that age, it was the it was the stereo for the whole house. Right. So, not only is Country Joe, you know, asking me for an F, he's also broadcasting that to my mother who's in the <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I'm scrunching down the living room to get to the <laughs> Give me a U. Yeah, give me an F, give me a U, and then you can st- you can Yeah, you can jump, knock the record off the table and say he was spelling fungible. <laughs> he was funky. talking about fungible go- funky. <laughs> uh let me ask you, you uh Everyone today is wondering, where do we go from here? Where do we, what do we do? And obviously there are options. There's uh, a second uh, impeachment, which no yeah. one thinks can be, I don't know that that could, you could get that together in, in two weeks time. Yeah, uh, 25th the, Amendment, I think is, is a yes. better bet. Um, but, but the problem, but. <laughs> he has steadfastly, I mean, assiduously replaced everybody on his cabinet one by one with people who, I mean, if you have a strong cabinet, if you have forceful, strong-minded, sane people in your cabinet, which many presidents want, I mean, Lincoln's the best yeah, example, but, sure. but, but, uh, but many presidents have had strong, forceful-minded people in their cabinet who would look at this situation and say, you are not fit to govern, and we are, a majority of us are invoking the 25th Amendment, right. and although Congress, I guess, has to get involved, by the time they do, you, you've kept him, uh, you've relieved him of office, and the two weeks have expired. But yeah, I, I don't see that happening with these people. No, I, I don't see it happening because I, I, I don't know that it can, it can happen without the, uh, the agreement of at least some Republicans. And, and, and certainly with the 25th Amendment, you'd have to get Mike Pence and half the cabinet uh, to agree to, to remove him from office as, as unfit. And I, I just I don't know that that happens. But imagine how pissed off Mike Pence must be right now. Oh, he is he apparently furious. He was furious. Yes. Yeah. He was calling, apparently calling Trump saying, you got to call in the National Guard and rescue us here. And Trump was basically saying no, you know? So, yeah. so and this is an interesting aspect of this. So Pence calls the Pentagon and Pence and a few other national security types themselves activate the Washington, D.C. National Guard, which is not their legal right to do. The president is supposed to be the one to do that. But apparently they're now going around him 
in many yeah. ways. He's yeah. he's no longer not that he ever functioned as president anyway, but he's people are now ignoring him. I I, I think in the White House. Yeah, that was stunning when they you looked over uh, the. I don't know if it was the signatures or the the people that were on the order to call in the National Guard and the president's name is nowhere there. Isn't there. Yeah. Though he's the one that would normally ha- have to do that. Right. Um, so but he, yeah, he did essentially he did essentially tell Pence, uh, go down the street, go into that building over there and conduct the business that you have to conduct today. And then uh, once Pence was in the building, he told a crowd run over to that building. Yeah. And and, and, and and don't and, show weakness. And don't yeah. show weakness, uh, yeah. which I would imagine uh, if 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 Pence is capable of it, he would be furious and enraged at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd I, think I'd be, you'd think I'd be enraged too. I love the the fav- my favorite part of that speech at Trump's yesterday. That was the part where he pretended he'd be with them, the mob. You know, I'll yeah. be there with you. Oh, yeah, sure you will, you brave fellow. It's sniveling little coward. You know, you know it'd be great running, if he was in. Scurrying back to the White House. <laughs> be great if he was in that, uh, one of those bubbles, uh, you know, that the, <laughs> that, 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 the, that the lead singer for the Flaming Lips uses. <laughs> he, he crowd surfs in. Yeah, and, and he's just, he's on top of the mob and he's perfectly protected and he's supplied with, there's, cheeseburgers in there and uh there's you know whatever whatever makes it whatever chicken mcnuggets all spilling and 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 splashing around as he crowd surfs on top of them all uh i'd have paid to see that not a lot not Not a lot lot. (laughs) but yeah for a minute or two yeah Yeah. i really want most of my money in real estate i don't really want it in that uh but um i don't know where we go from here he needs to be removed yeah um he needs to be removed quickly uh, I don't yeah. know if that can happen, but he needs to be. And there needs to be an accounting for this. The people that broke in there, they need yes. to be arrested uh, and charged with serious I'm crime. hoping I'm hoping that that is happening. I woke up uh, this morning and that's the first thing I thought was, I hope the FBI, Capitol Hill Police, uh, I hope the government is fa- using face recognition. Uh, I hope they're looking for these people. I I. It's well, they can get horrifying. some of the faces off the capital, uh, off of the selfies that were taken. Yes. With the capital yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. What the Hashtag hell was that about? Taking selfies with people who were invading the Capitol building, opening yeah. apparently in some instances, opening the doors for them and letting them in. Right. Uh, this is this is a scary aspect of this. Well, the other yeah. aspect that I don't think escaped anybody is that if uh, and, and this is sadly, but it's just true if if that many Black Lives Matters protesters oh. had stormed oh. the Capitol, oh. we'd have 600 dead people today. Yes, uh, 600 dead uh, protesters. And that's that's something that uh, no one can deny. No, uh, you just no. cannot deny if you, that. if you ever doubted white privilege, here was a perfect example. Right. You know, if they had been black, had they been Muslim? I think Joe Scarborough this morning said if they were Muslim, there'd been snipers on the roofs picking them off. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. So there but there needs to be accountability for yeah. these people on on both sides here. The police, the police as well uh, for, for what they did and how they reacted. But um, but I don't know. We've got 100 million people in this country or so uh, who apparently are OK with this guy. Uh, yeah. 70 yeah. whatever million voted for him. I assume right. there are others. Um, and that's that's a third of the country. Yeah. Third of the country is batshit crazy. 
third of yeah. the country believes that Joe Biden is some sort of Satanist pedophile because that's what Facebook told them or something right. like that, you know? Well, that's another, I mean, clearly we have, uh, we have to, I, I have been of the opinion for several years now that uh, we are a primitive people that were just gifted with the atomic bomb uh, and, and we don't know what to do with it. And we're just setting it off left and right. I, I think that's the power of social media. I don't think, you know, if it takes 10,000 years for evolution to catch up in any way and uh, turn us into, help us adapt to a new condition, uh, we're only uh, 10 years into that 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. And we've been gifted with something that has immediately uh, made us, uh, I, I, I don't know, rendered us, maybe rendered, I, I don't want to say it, but in the darkest moments, I think, has this new power, this superpower to know what everybody's thinking at any time mm -hmm. rendered democracy uh, untenable. I hope not. Yeah, you have to ask yourself whenever a new technology evolves or, or, or develops, not just what are the best people on earth going to do with this? You always have to ask yourself, what are the worst people on earth going to do with this? Yeah. What are the worst people on earth going to do with a nuclear weapon? Going to do with the internet? Going to do with poison gas? Going to do with a weaponized virus? Um, you know, you always have to, to, to foresee what the worst will do with something like that because they will. Yeah. You know, our, 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 computer systems now in our government have been hacked into by the Russians at a very deep level that's going to take years and years to, to, to sort out. I suspect we'll probably just have to start over from scratch. Um, I don't know anything about computers, as you know, and neither do you, but. <laughs> but okay, but let's, not include, huge let's not include me. Let's not include me. <laughs> I want to point out to our listeners that uh, it was very nice for me to see uh, Ron struggle a little bit with the technology to talk to me remotely, uh, only to be told by my people, don't worry, Conan is so much worse. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, filled it was me just with... to make me feel good, though. No, 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 no. Trust no. me, it was not. <laughs> Sona, Sona, tell him no, it was. It not... was not to make you feel good. Completely honest. And yeah. you're even younger than I am, too. I'm, yeah, I'm like the old but... guy here. It's... I know, but uh, let's face it, you're in much better shape. Uh, trained dancer, well, uh, you know, you know, yeah. You you could kick the shit out of me in about eight seconds. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. You're a big guy. You're a big guy. Oh, no, no. That just means I would go down much faster and harder. <laughs> like a big tree. But, going yeah, like a big tree, but cushioned cushioned uh, by my, uh, my my pompadour, which would save me at the end. That's what, you know, that, that's what I would do. I would, if, I, if I could talk to your dad and have a long conversation and hear some of his stories about old Hollywood and some of his political stories, I would love that. Uh, but then I would quickly get to hair product, hairline. <laughs> How do you do it? How did you do it, Mr. President? Uh, because I've built an entire career on this, uh, on this pastry on top of my head and I've got to keep it going and you managed to do it. So You're, you are one of the few people who has his cartoons haircut. Yes. Yes. I looked at, I looked at editorial cartoons in 1982 and I also looked at the Bob's big boy logo and I said, I want I looked, I pointed to the Reagan and the Bob's big boy and I said, get me that. Because guess what? Ladies are not going to go for it. It'll keep the ladies but, away. It'll keep the ladies away, but it's going to look good on merchandising. God bless me, it did. It worked for uh, Trump, though. 
You know, he's. Got oh, I don't know what that. Thing. I don't know what that. Th- I don't respect that thing. I'm a hair. Uh, I'm a connoisseur of hair, and I don't. I think that is low back hair that's been combed up and over. <laughs> I, I think you may be right, and I don't mean to be superficial, but when somebody shows up with hair like that. That's a bright red flag waving. I'm sorry. Who wear? Who does that with their hair? Well, you're on. Crazy you're, this is getting, people do that. No, okay, okay, Ron. You're getting into again a very delicate area. I no, think. no, your your hair is it's a natural cut. It, it does. Listen, in about a month, when I haven't had a haircut for you know several months, my yep. hair is going to look. We're both Irishmen with thick hair. It yep. does that after a while. It just kind of goes. That. Rah. You know, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, and uh, it's sort of at the end here, which is your perspective on. I'm constantly thinking: uh, Could people in the past have made it in the political world of today? And you see what what a Ted Cruz, what a Josh Hawley, what these people have to do, the ways in which they have to contort themselves to make it. And I think um, could you know if your dad. We're starting out today as a as a 35 year old uh, guy. Could he have survived in this kind of climate? You know what I mean. Could Not as a Republican. Had- no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. No. It all started to really go south. I think in the mid 90s with Newt Gingrich when they just decided to weaponize everything and become obstructionists. Yeah. And then yep. you had, of course, the first or the second Bush administration where they lied us into a war and then started torturing people. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of spiraled completely out of control. Uh, yeah. When Obama was uh, was elected, somebody asked me when Obama was elected, well, or before, <clears throat> when if, if Barack Obama is elected president, do you think that means that we're not a racist country anymore? <laughs> I said, yeah. Barack, if Barack Obama is elected president, we're going to find out exactly how racist a country uh, we are. And yeah. indeed, we did. You know, look at the effort by Mitch McConnell to completely negate the presidency of of uh, of Obama when he was in office and after. You know, to, right. to do away with the Affordable Care Act, having no replacement for it, by the way, right. which people right. keep forgetting. Seven right. years of you know we're going to get rid of it, replace it with something better. Well, what is that something better? Um, well, we're working on it. Yeah, you know, it's behind door number three. It's behind <laughs> door number three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I always go back to that moment that was not that long ago when uh, Barack Obama was running against John McCain and. It was late in the campaign and a woman in the crowd said to McCain, we can't vote for this man. He's a Muslim. And, and uh, you know, he's not from this country. He's a Muslim. And he's an Arab, Ma- she said. He's an Arab. Yeah. McCain yeah. Uh, stopped her and mm-hmm. said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. That is wrong. That is incorrect. Now, he's that, a good family I, man. He's I a get, good American. He's I just a good Ameri- to disagree with him on certain. Yes. Yeah. I get a chill up my spine when I remember that moment because- that was only ten, what, twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and I still get a chill up my spine when I remember that moment because it feels like something from a hundred thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just—it was a kind of—it was a moment of someone with the microphone in power who's desperately running a race against Barack Obama mm-hmm. and wants to win, refuting someone who's there to vote for McCain and telling them, no, you're wrong. He's a good family man. And uh, that's mm-hmm. something that, uh, I mean, again, uh, I didn't agree with John McCain on lots of things uh, politically, but uh, that we we really lost someone special, someone with a backbone. Yeah. He did give us 
that. Yeah, yeah. Give us. Uh, we're up. Well, you can't use hand gestures on a podcast. Oh, uh, you just the, the thumbs up and then turning to thumbs down to uh, <laughs> to vote against. Uh, yeah, vote against Trump, which was a great moment. I have a great thumbs up story from my father, actually. So my father, when his last few years in office, decided that uh, that uh, that he was going to revive the thumbs up gesture. He was mm-hmm. so he started going around the country. He was giving a speech, and he would always thumbs up, thumbs up, and. Okay, fine. It was very much my dad, you know. That, mm-hmm. I mean, he's like a human thumbs up, right? And uh, and so <laughs> my my late wife and I were in in the car with him coming back from some event where there were crowds in the side of the road in Washington D.C. In my memory, and somebody somehow got past the police barricade by the side mm-hmm. of the road and rushed up to the limousine, and he was promoting a different hand gesture. So he's right on, right on my dad's side of that. And he's snarling. Like this. And my father gets the full blast of this, turns to us in the car and says, you see, I think it's catching on. (laughs) (laughs) So middle finger, thumb, thumb. thumb. It was a digit. It was pointed up. You know, he's giving me he's giving me the enough. number one up. Yeah, close yeah, enough. He's trying. He's trying. <laughs> uh, well, this has been. Uh, I mean, on a, on a dark day, and a, I, I woke up depressed today, uh, as I think a lot of us did. But then I remembered that uh, I was going to talk to you, and that this was going to be a different conversation than than we normally have. But uh, I've always known you to be such a such a bright and uh, such a quick and funny and warm person. And so just a delight to talk to you. And, and especially today, because it's one of those days where I want to talk to someone like you and feel a little better about things. Well, we've survived. That's, that's the good news. But we've got a lot of work ahead of us here in this country. Yeah. We've got, yeah. you know, Trump will be gone. Trump will be irrelevant. Trump ought to be in an orange jumpsuit at some point. But, uh, but the people that, that backed them, the people that stormed the Capitol, they're still out yep. there. And they've got their yeah. guns and their anger and their lunacy, their conspiracy yeah. theories. And they're not going away. They're not going yeah. away. We're going to have to deal with them. Yeah. All right. Now I'm depressed again. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> What'd you do that for? Uh, I, mean, I was trying to end I thought on we this were, nice. Yeah, but it was too up. It was too up. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Today, so I just thought I'll, I'll bring it down. Yeah. I gave your down. dads the thumbs up and then you leaned into my limo and gave me the middle finger. That's <laughs> you. Uh, hey, Ron, uh, really so nice talking to you. Well, thanks for having me. And thank you. And I didn't realize my Seattle is my wife's city. I go there all oh, the time. I, oh, I haven't you. during COVID, but maybe we'll hang there sometime. That'd yeah. be nice. Well, the next time you're out here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Soon, her parents, in L- are you in L.A.? Or I'm in L.A. You're yeah. in L.A. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm why, doing would a, I, why would I ever come down there? I'm, I'm not wearing a shirt right now, and I'm doing a ton of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> once I get my shit together, uh, I'll come up to Seattle, and uh, it would be really nice to hang out. Okay, because I'm wearing Polar Tech and trail running shoes. So. <laughs> Well, I can drive alongside you while you run. Uh, Ron Reagan Jr., thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. 
Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.